Scripture today is from Psalm 69, verses 1 through 6. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me. I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You know my folly, O God. My guilt is not hidden from you. May those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. O Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me, O God of Israel. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, let your word heal the brokenhearted, uplift the down in spirit. May your word teach us, lead us, and guide us. And most importantly, if we're struggling in our hearts and in our lives, may this word help us to know that you truly love us and care for us. And we're to wait on you and your timing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, first I'd like to thank the Sunday school guys for living out uh, the scriptures. Bear one another's burdens. I really appreciate them men being there for me, listening to me talk and ramble. And You know, the Bible says you uh, reap what you sow. Well, sometimes I said some things maybe I shouldn't have said, and boy, am I reaping them. But then I said some things maybe it was okay, and I'm reaping that too, and I, I just, I, you guys just don't know how important these guys are to me and what they've meant to me over the years while I was transitioning uh, in my walk with Christ and those kinds of things. Anyway, old Charlie Brown, all that old dude wanted to do was kick the football. How hard could it be to kick a football? And he wanted to do it on Thanksgiving Day. And, of course, Lucy, his buddy, always held the football for Charlie Brown. On this particular day, she says, uh, Charlie Brown, it is your day to kick the football. This is going to happen for you. Charlie Brown says, Lucy, we've been doing this for years. You've never let me kick the football yet. And she said, Thanksgiving is a great tradition for football, and they kicked the football off. Charlie Brown, today is your day. Charlie Brown runs down the little field, and he's getting all excited. His hands are pumped up. Today's Charlie Brown's day. I'm going to kick that football. I'm going to let it fly. He takes off, and he runs toward the football, and Lucy lifts the football up. Charlie Brown jumps up, falls flat on his back, and Lucy says, just what in your day, Charlie Brown? <laughs> Charlie Brown gets a little depressed. He runs to the mailbox and he says, surely somebody has sent me a Thanksgiving Day card uh, to say happy Thanksgiving and just say what a great day Thanksgiving is. He opens the box and uh, there's nothing in the mailbox for Charlie Brown. And he says, man, Thanksgiving is a drag. It is very, very depressing. And finally, his little sister comes along and says, well, what do you got to be depressed about? You're not the one in school who has to learn about all the pilgrims and all their names and what they did. And I'm supposed to memorize all these names and think about all these things that happened, Charlie Brown. I should be depressed. You ain't having to learn all this. 
and they both decided together that the holidays came too fast from Halloween to Thanksgiving going into Christmas and that the holidays were very, very depressing. And I realized as we head into the Thanksgiving season that it can get depressing for us as well. Life changes. When we lose a mom or a dad, life changes. The holidays changes. When we lose a spouse, a child, no matter what happens that we lost, we experience loss, and the loss brings changes. And in our hearts and our minds, when we're very alone by ourselves and nobody's around us, we can get depressed and wonder about what it was like Thanksgiving back then. What was Christmas like back then when I had my parents, when I had my spouse, when I had those loved ones around me? It changes so very fast, and it can get very depressing. And today I want to speak to that very issue as we head into the Thanksgiving season that when you're alone by yourself and you are hurting deep down in your heart, I want you to know God loves you, God cares for you, and he has the best for you. And God wants to heal whatever's hurting in your life. And I can think of no better place to preach this than in Psalm 69 in the life of David and him singing his song to God. Now, David, he had a good life. He had always loved God. He had always served God. He'd always followed God. He was a shepherd boy. He wrote many songs to God. He had loved God, wanted to follow him and be his servant. And because of his love for God and the things he wanted to do for God, God says, I want to grow you, David. I want you to come and be king of my nation. David thought that was an honor. So he goes and he fights a person named Goliath. He whoops that dude pretty good. He comes back and everybody loves David. Everybody wants to be around David. David was something else when he defeated Goliath. He got many women to come and be his wives. He got gold and silver and all the things that was great in his life. And he loved God even more because of what God was doing in his life. But there was somebody who couldn't stand David. His name was Saul. Saul was very jealous of David. And so David, who had loved God before, who had followed him, merely accepted what God was doing in his life and says, I will serve you, I will follow you, I will go the road you want me to go down. And David writes this psalm in agony because of what happened to him for merely following God. And so David writes in the psalm, in the, in the preamble of the psalm, he says to the chief musician, that would be like saying to the worship team, him coming into a public service, say to the worship team, this is what I want you to do. I want you to sing songs of thanksgiving and praise to my God. You are the worship leader. This is what's on my heart, David says. I want you to sing to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he says that I want you to play it on this instrument called the Shoshanum. This was a six-stringed instrument, kind of shaped like a flower or lily. And he says, I want you to sing to God on this instrument and give God the praise that he deserves. He says this before he ever writes the psalm. And then in the psalm, in his time of struggle and fight and turmoil, he does three things. He waits on God, he intercedes, and he hopes for the future. Why did David have to wait on God? Why not tell God, no, I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to accept this experience in my life. 
But he said, yes, I will follow you, and I will serve you, and I will love you. And takes him right into a trial. And the Bible says he had to wait here in Psalm 69. He waited on God. What else was he to do? The first verse, what does the Bible say? He says, I'm sinking deep in the waters. My soul is hurting. I'm down and out. There's nowhere I can go. There's nowhere I can turn. There's nothing I can do, God. And you don't seem to be helping me in my dilemma. Everywhere I walk, it comes around me. I step in the mud and all I do is sink. There is no solid ground for me to stand on, God. What am I to do but wait? You're not hearing my prayer. You're not answering my prayer. And you're not helping me out at all. But what does it mean for David to wait? Saul kicked him out of the kingdom. So he's going in caves and in taverns. Not taverns like bars and stuff, but places to go to get help. He had men with him to help uh, get food and war stuff to go fight. Men came with him and followed him. He hid in the woods. He hid in deserts. He went into enemies' towns and territories dressed like a knucklehead so they wouldn't kill him. He was always on the run. So he wasn't waiting as I think waiting, which when I'm waiting, I'm sitting in the chair. In the army, it's hurry up and wait. You need to be down there at 0300, Jebedon. And we're not leaving until 0500 in three days. That's hurry up and wait. That's the way I would wait. But David didn't wait like that. He was on the run, going into the caves, going to these others, waiting on God. What was he waiting on God for? He was waiting on God to fulfill his promise to make him king. Saul was the king. David could have killed Saul anytime he wanted, but he wouldn't do it. He says, that's for God to do. I will not take the servant that you put on the throne. When you're ready, you do what you want to do. But until then, I'll wait on you. I will hope in you, and I will trust in you. I'm hurting. I'm down. You're not answering my prayer. You don't seem to be going with me. You don't seem to care about me. So I'm going to call the musician. I'm going to sing to your glory and honor. And I'm going to do it on this instrument right here. And I'm going to wait wherever I'm at. I'm going to wait on you to move on my behalf. That's how David waited. He waited by just doing what he needed to do until God came in and helped him. The second thing that David did was he interceded for his people. Men followed him. They loved him. They wanted to be with him. So they left their families and they left their home and said, you are the rightful king. We will go with you and fight with you. How would you like to be a leader of a bunch of men in caves and all those men are going hungry away from their family? They are hurting. They are struggling. They are suffering. And David says, don't put this on them, God. This is between me and you. I'm interceding for my people. I'm interceding for my men. This is not their fault. I pray on their behalf. Saul was the one who rejected you. Saul was the one who went the wrong way. Saul was the one that made all this land curse. He says, I was a sinner, but I wasn't as bad as a sinner as this guy was. But I was bad. And he says, my men are struggling. My men are hurting. Don't make them pay for this. I intercede for them. I stand in the gap. These are your holy people. The people of God that love you and
and serve you and follow you. Don't allow them to fall because I'm hurting, because my relationship with you don't seem to be where it needs to be. Don't hold this to their account. Let them know in their own lives that you love them, that you care for them, and that you have the best in their lives. David interceded on their behalf. But then he done something else. He hoped in the future. He says, I've come to restore that which I didn't break. Now the whole psalm is filled, the rest of it is filled about the future. But when he says, I've restored that which I didn't break. He didn't sin against God. He didn't do the wrong thing at this point. He didn't make the land cursed. He didn't make all those families get separated and hurt. But he had to go and take over the kingdom and go and serve God the right way and do the commandments of God and the law of God to bring the people together. That's the way sin is. That's the way hurt and pain is. It don't just hurt ourselves. It hurts others around us. It makes them hurt in their hearts and in their souls. And David says, I got to go restore that. And he's speaking about Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus came to restore that was broken in man's life, and that was a relationship with God. He restored the image of God back into the people. David speaks about that when he says, In my hands and my feet, what they've done to me. He looked for the future. And he says, My God will come through for me, and I will hope in that. But until that happens, God, I think I'll just wait. I think I'll just intercede. And I think I'll just hope. Should we not we do that the same way in our Christian walk with Christ? Should we not wait on God? I know we're trying to figure it out. We're looking in the word. The word speaks to our heart. And we go and we try the best we can to live that word and honor that word. And the word ain't working. And we scratch our hair and we said, what's going on here, God? Why ain't you working this out for me? Why ain't you doing what I'm asking you to do? When will you act on my behalf? When will you heal my broken heart? When will you send me on my journey? When will you make things right? And God says, just wait. Wait. And how do you wait? You wait like David. You come into public worship and say, you are the king, you are the Lord, you are God, you are the Christ, and you deserve all glory and honor and praise, and your name is to be uplifted. See, I started the service at the end of Psalm 69 when he said, let everything praise the Lord, everything give him glory, and everything give him honor. And David started the psalm with, I'm hurting, and I need you. But we just don't worship him in here and wait for him in here in the sanctuary and worship him. When we're at home, when we're at work, wherever we're at, we're waiting on him to move on our behalf, for him to heal our hearts, for him to touch our lives, and for him to help us to be thankful for the situation that we're in. Not about the situation, but be thankful to him for what he's done in our lives. That's how we wait. We sing him songs and give him glory. And then we intercede. We take all the pain and all the hurt that we've experienced in our lives. And we say, I'm hurting. I'm in pain. And God's going to work on my behalf. I don't know when or how. But he's going to work it out. And I want to tell you, my brother and sister, I'm praying for you. Don't you dare turn away from Christ. Don't you fall from Christ because what's going on in my life? 
I do not want you to fall because of what's happening to me. You love him, you trust him, you serve him, you follow him. He'll work it out on me. He'll figure it out with me, but I don't want you to fall because I'm crumbling on the inside. You intercede for that person. As you intercede for that person, as you minister to that person, as you touch their hearts, God is working it all along. He's getting in there with his scissors and stuff, and he's mending that heart, and he's touching that heart, and he's helping that heart. And all along, you're thinking, how am I doing this? How is it that you're working through me right now? Why is it now in this moment of time, Lord, I don't feel the hurt. I don't feel the pain. I don't feel the struggle. Because you're pouring out your soul to somebody else on behalf of God. And you're saying, don't hold it against them what's happening to me. You're trying to help them out. The third thing David did when he looked into the future, he sees our past. You see, he was looking for the Christ. He was looking for the Messiah. That's a done deal. That's already happened. We'll start that on the first Sunday of Advent. When we start getting fired up, well, at least I get fired up about his birth. When I go nuts about Christmas. He was born. The King of Kings was born in a little manger. God heard the cry of his people. He said, I'm going to send the Messiah. David looked for the Messiah. He wanted the Messiah. He expected the Messiah. He's already came. And then he died. He died on your and my behalf, and then he rose again. David never experienced that. It's something that he hoped for. You and I have experienced it, and we don't have to hope about our salvation. We're saved. He's touched us. He's changed us forever. But what we and David look for is we look for the future when the king is coming back. And I realize there's different beliefs on the way that's going to happen, whether you're going to be raptured out of here if you believe that, whether he just appears in the sky and takes you home and it's all over with, or whether you go through tribulation, what does it matter to Brian Javadon? Not a hill of beans. All I know is he's coming back for me. I look for that time and I look into the future and I say, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. David looked to that future and he wanted that future. We've seen the future. We've experienced that part of the future. And now we all look together for the king to come back and make everything right again. In the psalm, God honored King David. He didn't make him king. And the Bible says all of the land had peace. Because David believed and trusted God. Waited on God, worshiped God, interceded, looked for the future, and God restored everything that was broken. I realize he sinned again in the future, but I want to talk about this song based on him and Goliath and following him. We have loss. Me and Amy experienced that yesterday. When we went to her aunt's funeral, Amy was raised in that church when she was little. And she saw some pictures from 1955 of her mom playing on the piano and her grandpa. Well, you know, back then everybody wore suits and ties, okay? He had this little fancy Nancy tie right here. What do you call them little things? I don't know. Bow tie. He loved his bow tie and he loved his suit and he was in the back with all the men who at that time they were ushers. He was the usher. 
And he was so happy and proud to be a usher. That just brought all kinds of memories into her life. Of how it was when she was little. How her Thanksgiving and Christmases was. And she said, can we just drive around? Uh, can we just drive around for a while? Yeah. But then I started hurting in a different way. I'm over here sitting in the corner listening to the songs and everything that's going on in the service. And this is a Church of God Anderson. And I went to a Church of God Anderson. And I started thinking, I went to Werner. This is where I met Amy. This is where I met her parents. Her parents are no longer here. Werner's totally destroyed from what I remember. I remember being in the Bradenton First Church of God, Gerald Yates. And then I started hurting in a different way because I can't bring back those memories. I can't bring back that part of my past. It just won't happen. But you know what? I live in the present and I know the future is secure because back then I wasn't saved. Back then I didn't know Jesus, but he changed my life forever. And that trajectory gets me to change who I am and what I've done. So Amy's helping me out and I'm helping her out get through this situation. But ain't that what Christ does for us? He helps us out. But in all of that, we thank him and worship him. We wait. We intercede for our brothers and sisters. And we hope for the future. He's coming back. This is what the Bible says. God ain't lied yet. I don't expect him to lie now. He won't lie to you and me. In this Thanksgiving season, when you're all alone and you're hurting, just call on him. Allow him to do the work that he wants to do and wait the best you can on him to work it all out for his glory and his honor. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, your word, it heals. Your word heals our hearts and it heals our minds. Your word touches us and it changes us. It leads us and guides us. Your word came in flesh in the form of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who died and rose again. This word has went forth to your holy people. And I pray if anyone here is hurting and struggling in their own life, they would just call on the name of Jesus that you, Lord, would heal them right where they're at. And us as believers, if we're struggling and we're hurting, we will praise you even though we're in the midst of a bad situation and we will intercede for our brothers and sisters around us and say, Lord, touch them and lift them up that they don't fall in their faith. But in all of this and in all this time, God, all of us as believers in Jesus Christ will hope for the future. You will restore everything that's broken and everything that's wrong and everything that has went in a bad way. You will restore it. And your time. And that's the hope we have in you. I ask you to hear this prayer now Lord. And be glorified and lifted up. I ask in Jesus name. Amen.